All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Millennial Sales Podcast, episode 197. Uh, this is your host, Tom Alemo. They call me Tommy Tahoe. I uh, appreciate you joining me on this journey to help young salespeople with their careers, uh, get be, become better salespeople, more fulfilled, uh, make more money, all that good stuff, man. So appreciate you joining. Got one of the best uh, episodes in the three and a half years I've been doing this show today. One of my favorites, and I'm not BSing you. Um, before I get into that, let me give you a quick plug. Um, if you like what I do, with the podcast, with the blog, with anything else, I'd love if you head over to Apple and uh, subscribe and leave a quick review. It'll take you one minute. It helps me grow the show. It helps me get better guests, helps me just do a better job for you. Uh, and that's really what I'm trying to do is add value. Um, outside of that, you can find this show, uh, Millennial Sales, wherever you listen to podcasts on Apple or Spotify. You can find me on social media at YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram at Tommy Tahoe. Hit me up on LinkedIn. Uh, as Tom Alamo. And I can't stress enough, I love hearing from you people. I love uh, getting questions. I love getting feedback. I love getting comments. Uh, it fuels me. It fires me up. I'm doing, uh, you know, all these episodes either, you know, early in the morning, late in the evening. It's pitch black outside here in San Francisco on a Thursday night as I'm doing this, um, or it's on the weekend. So I really appreciate uh, if you hit me up. I'd love to have a conversation with you. Love to hear what you thought of the show. Um, if you share it out on social, tag me. If you share it with a friend, I'd really appreciate it. Um, all of that stuff just gives me so much uh, energy and so much joy. So I really do appreciate all the love that I've been getting the last few months on the show. Let's pivot to this week's episode. Um, I'm telling you, you, you can you can hit me up on LinkedIn after the show and let me know if this was not one of your favorite episodes. <laughs> if you've listened to this show for a while, um, Scott Barker. Uh, if you don't know Scott Barker, then you're probably not in SaaS sales. Uh, then you probably haven't been in SaaS for a while or uh, sales for a while or MarTech or sales tech. He's one of the guys. He's um, the head of strategic engagement at Outreach. He's an operating partner at the newly launched Go-to-Market Fund. He's the head of partnerships at Sales Hacker, um, but he also is involved with the Sales Engagement Podcast. Uh, he's engaged, uh, involved with Revenue Collective. He's an advisor at several startups. He writes his own weekly newsletter, The Forecast, and the guy exhausts me uh, with everything that he does because he puts so much out there. He's someone that I'm trying to model with the way that I'm building out my career uh, as well. So he tells some great stories about the early days of his career. It's very interesting path of door-to-door -door sales at a young age. Um, I think he was about 19 or 20 when he started. You know, he got into some uh, interesting kind of troubles with money and partying um, early in his life that he'll, he'll talk openly about. And we talk about the job that he got at Sales Hacker that really changed the trajectory of his career and how he got that. Uh, he has an amazing story about halfway through. He talks about, made this custom webinar to get on uh, Max's uh, radar to get the job. And it's a really interesting story. So for anyone that's um, interested to learn more about his past, to learn more about how to get a great job that can really change your career, uh, about sales tech and where it's going and the future of it, about thinking better, about how to uh, take in the right information when we're getting uh, you know, blindsided by content all day long and, and how to filter that. Uh, Scott's just a great thinker. He's a great guy. Um, I learned a lot from him in this conversation. I think you're going to learn a lot too. So without further ado, let me shut up and give you this episode with Scott Barker. Let's go. Scott Barker coming at you from the early morning in Vancouver. You can see it's, it's pitch black out there. How you doing, man? What's up, Tom? It's not even that early. It's it's eight o'clock and it is pitch, pitch dark. I think we're coming up on the longest day uh, or longest night of the year. Sorry. Yeah, we're getting there. I At first when I called you, I was like, man, is he six hours behind me or what's going on? <laughs> Dude, it's especially dark today. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. So um, I'm curious, like Vancouver, you know, I don't know if I've ever, I've definitely never had someone from the podcast on Canada. 
I don't have any friends that live in Canada. So like, tell me a little bit about Vancouver. Like I imagine there's gotta be some sort of a chip on your shoulder, right? Like working <laughs> with all these Bay area, Seattle people, Austin, Texas, and you know, you're, you're kind of like the sole representation that I see in, in the, you know, B2B sales community from Canada or from, you know, Vancouver specifically. Yeah. I mean, we have a, we have a pretty great uh, tech scene up in, in Canada. Um, so it's certainly more than, than me, but thank you for, for giving me the, the, the title of, of the sole representation of Canada. I'll take it. Um, it's like you and Toby uh, from Shopify. <laughs> yeah. It's just us up here. That's it. I just, I gotta, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, Vancouver is beautiful, man. I, I consider myself extremely lucky to have grown uh, up here. If you ever have a chance to, to make your way up to Vancouver, I would highly, highly recommend it. Uh, Vancouver is, you know, a really nice coastal town. We're over here on the West Coast. Um, we have a lot of kind of Chinese and Japanese uh, influence, which makes our food scene really incredible. Uh, we have our, our mountains, um, you know, Gross Mountains, Seymour, Whistler. I can be up snowboarding on three different mountains within, you know, 20 minutes to an hour. Uh, and then I can also be at beaches within 10 minutes. We have three beautiful beaches right outside of uh, downtown Vancouver. Um, it is an expensive city. So that's why it's, it's similar to SF in, in that way. Um, you, you kind of pay for the beauty, but it's a great place to live. There's certainly a, a, a tech scene that's growing uh, very rapidly. Uh, Slack actually started in Vancouver. That's a little known fact. Mm. Uh, Hootsuite started up here. Um, so Amazon's got a, a headquarters coming in here. So it's it's growing uh, and it's exciting. And uh, yeah, it's it's a fun place to be. That's awesome, man. Well, it's been on my list for a while. I haven't been able to uh, obviously make it up this year, but at some point in the future, for sure. Um, I want to get into your career uh, because I've, I've done my, my due bit of research on you and you know, heard you tell your story a little bit. And maybe we can uh, elaborate on that for the audience that you know, maybe just sees you on LinkedIn or knows you from Sales Hacker or Outreach or you know, the number of different places that you, know, you, you kind of uh, partake in. But you know, mm -hmm. from hearing your story, right, it sounds like you got into sales early at like 18 or you know, coming straight out of high school. And it yeah. sounds, seems like you had the kind of the dream of what an 18 year old person might want <laughs> coming at that age, right? You're, you're like starting to, you have this job selling things door to door. I think like golf and spa packages. So you're right. A, You've insanely, done your homework. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm here. I'm here for it. So, <laughs> nice. you know, it's an insanely hard job, it seems like, right? And yeah. you're crushing it and you're making probably a lot of money and they fly you to Sydney and you're partying and like all this stuff. So you just walk me through a little bit about what that was like. Cause as an 18 year old, I got money in my pocket. People think I'm kind of a big deal. I'm flying over to Sydney where God knows what, I mean, that sounds like, you know, one of the best places in the world to be. seems like you're, you're living pretty high at that point. Yeah. Um, I'm again, kudos doing, doing your homework. It, it's fun to kind of relive some of this time period, fun and like almost scary, <laughs> you know, how little, you know, and how much you think, you know, at that time uh, period. Um, but yeah, I mean, so even taking a step back, I'll, I'll add a little bit more color that even makes it a, a little bit crazier of a, a situation. So, um, in, I was a big rugby player growing up. That was like my sport. Uh, I played rugby, football, soccer, but rugby was like my favorite. I got to play, um, in the BC summer games up here and, and do some really cool things. And, and part of what I got to do is in my grade 12 year, I got to uh, tour around Australia and New Zealand uh, playing rugby. Um, and we got our ass kicked, of course. <laughs> They're incredible over there. I think we won one out of like seven games. Um, but it was always in my head uh, after that trip. I was like, man, I got to find a way to go work, um, you know, over in Australia or New Zealand go play rugby, like I gotta do that. Um, and that's what makes it even stranger is then I, I basically over the summer of high school, I was planning to go to uh, the University of, of Victoria was the, the plan um, after that. 
And I got this job over, over summer because I didn't want to do the classic, like, you know, be a landscaper or like do, you know, just like a labor job or something. Um, so I basically found like a Craigslist ad, like a Kijiji ad that was like, hey, you can make $400 a day or something, like kind of those yeah. pretty scammy ads you see. Mm-hmm. But I was a young kid. I was like, that sounds awesome. I want to do that. Um, and got this role, got like very limited training, would basically just tail this person knocking on doors and, and going into malls and all this stuff just selling these golf and spa packages and as you alluded to i did uh fairly fairly well uh quite quite quickly just mirroring what i saw i guess um and yeah i i I was given the chance to go and and help open up an office and uh, i say sydney australia if anyone's actually familiar with sydney this is going to be a funny part of the story too um i actually lived in a, a suburb of sydney called Parramatta. Um, which if you know, city, it's a very, very rough part of town. Again, me being 18, uh, I had, I had no idea. I, I didn't care. Yeah. I was just happy to be over there. Uh, but I do remember like Friday, Saturday night being like, wow, there's, there's a lot of fights here. Um, but anyway, long story short, uh, it was a lot of, uh, learnings. I made just about every, uh, mistake that, uh, an 18 year old, uh, can make. Uh, there was another factor there. Um, where I was, I, I acted when I was young. Um, mm. I did a lot of commercials. I did about 15 commercials in the 90s for like Cinnamon Toast Crunch, Hot Wheels, <laughs> Ring Pop. Uh, they're hilarious. I wish I could find all of them. I did a, a McDonald's one. I was just an extra in that one. But uh, NSYNC and Britney Spears were on it. So little known <laughs> fun fact. Um, and you get paid pretty well. Uh, it was held in trust for me um from my my parents and it was supposed to I was supposed to get it when I like graduated university well when I was over in Australia I decided that I wanted that that money or at least some of that money um got into a pretty big quarrel with my my parents uh they did end up basically saying you're an idiot you're gonna spend it all but here you go go learn the lesson yourself (laughs) right put your hand on the stove yourself um, so bless them for letting me learn that way. Cause it, I think it's the only way I learned. Um, and so got even more, uh, money at a very young age, um, and proceeded to do exactly what they said I would do and blow it on stupid things like, you know, drinking and partying and eating at nice restaurants. So, um, I would say the learning there, if I, if I look back is, Yeah. I mean, when you're young, you think you have it all figured out. Um, Mm -hmm. And when people give you advice, it's, it's easy to think that, ah, they're, they're, they're old. That's not how the world works anymore. Yada, yada, yada. But there's so much truth in, in every advice, particularly from the people that, that love you the most uh, in the world. So maybe take a second and and heed some of the advice. Yeah, totally. And uh, you know, I, I can relate to some parts of that story too. Like, you know, I got started in sales from seeing a, a shiny flyer for Cutco knives in college, yeah, yeah. And, you know, and started doing that. And, you know, I didn't get to the point of, you know, going to Sydney or anything like that, but had some troubles myself with, you know, partying too much and, and just, you know, letting some of those things become distractions and, you know, had to kind of turn it around. And so, you know, I know in, in your story, you know, you, you ended up, you know, coming back home, getting into bartending, you know, kind of hit a little bit of a, of a rock bottom point, then got back into sales. And, but where I see, you know, in your story, and I don't know you that well, but at least from what I, where I'm looking, I feel like a huge turning point is, was starting at Sales Hacker. And hmm. maybe or maybe not, but I remember when, um, when Max Altshuler put a post out looking for the head of partnerships, because I had just interviewed him for this podcast. This is a few years ago. And, um, you know, I thought he was really cool. And I thought what sales hacker was building was, was pretty cool. It's like, oh, that's interesting. And I think that was the job that you got, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Is that right? That is right. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I was lucky enough. Somehow I beat out 400 people for that, for that role. So that was definitely a game changing role in my career. 
for me, when I, when I look back at the pivotal moment, um, it's actually about two and a half years before that uh, okay. I look at, at, so it, like, I guess it's all, it's all relative. Like looking back, that is, that is the inflection point where things really started taking off. But for me mentally, when things changed and I was like, okay, it's game on, so to speak, mm-hmm. uh, was when I actually made a jump into uh, tech, um, which was about five and a half, six years ago now. Uh, I moved from like uh, a GM sales manager position uh, in the, the travel industry actually. So similar inside sales, heavy, heavy calls, managing 14 people at a very young age, about 22. Again, thought I was, had it all figured out. Um, and then kind of had this realization that um, I couldn't go too much further in my industry or I couldn't, I couldn't see people in the, the travel industry that were living the kind of life that I hope to live uh, one day. I'm sure there, there are, I just, I, I couldn't uh, find them. And I started looking more and more into to tech. And at that time, uh, the tech industry in Vancouver was starting to to really kind of explode. And it looked like from my young, you know, 22 year old brain that that's where all the highest performers were going. That's what it looked mm-hmm. like. So I often draw the comparison of like, I don't know, it, it felt like I was playing like high school football. Um, and like these people in tech were like in the NFL. That's kind of what it felt like. So I was like, Hey, yeah. how do I get in? How do I get into there? Um, and I remember it was so incredibly humbling. Again, I, I had a lot of pitfalls, but I did have a lot of success like early in my career too, uh, when I really like focused on something. And I I went and I, I thought I could get like a sales manager job. I was even going to for like sales director jobs at like 22 because <laughs> I, I was I was managing all these people. I was like, what do you mean? We didn't have a CRM. We didn't have anything. So I was wa- walking into these interviews, be like, who is this kid? This kid's got no degree. He like started a failed business. Like what is going on? Um, and uh, so quickly got humbled very, very fast um, and got a decent amount of no's. And then finally this FinTech company uh, said, hey, like we have a BDR position open. It's like, what, what's a BDR? And they, they explained the premise to me and I was like, well, how much, how much would I make? Like, what's the career path? And it was like literally a third of what I was uh, making at the other uh, role. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but I was like, I could do this and I could do this. I was like, wait, I don't have to close anything. Like I just have to open business. That's all I have to do. They're like, yeah. And this other position, we were closing people on the phone in one call for like <laughs> a substantial amount of money. Yeah. Um, and I was like, oh man, let's, let, let's, let's do it. So I, I did a lot of self-reflection. I was like, okay, let's do it. I had to get rid of my apartment. I slept on a friend's uh, studio uh, apartment couch uh, for like six months uh, as I was figuring it out because my, my salary was tiny. Um, and that, that felt like the inflection point. And then from there on my career, I just put my head down. I was like, okay, I'm going to be a, a I'm going to try and be number one everywhere I'm at. I'm going to put in longer hours. I'm going to do all the right things. I'm going to start taking care of my body. I'm going to start working out. I'm going to start meditating and like just do all the stuff that people tell you to do, you know, read the books. And uh, it magically uh, started working with a little bit of luck and a lot of hard work. So that feels like the inflection point. Uh, I became the number one BDR in like my first month there. and then that gave me a, an opportunity to go and uh, take a team lead position at another company. Uh, and they let me build out the entire business development program uh, from scratch, bring in the tech, hire the people, build the process, uh, everything. And I relied super heavily on Sales Hacker uh, mm-hmm. to do that because I was in over my head. I'd never done this. I'd, I'd never built out a tech program before. I just consumed so much of Sales Hacker, and that's how I kind of started getting into the ecosystem. Started mm-hmm. sharing some of the stuff that I was learning on LinkedIn. Um, ended up jumping on a Sales Hacker webinar as a guest to explain the program I had built because we were doing some cool things. 
that's how I met them, got into kind of Max's ecosystem, saw that post, threw my hat in the ring. And, and then you're right, it was uh, a pretty, a pretty incredible catalyst for my, for my career. And do you remember how you got that job? You said that there was what, 400, 400 other applicants. And, yeah. you know, I imagine that there was some sort of, you know, creativity involved. It wasn't just like, <laughs> Hey, I'm Scott and, you know, hire me. Yeah. You know, so do you remember yeah. how, how it is you got it? Yeah. So it was, I went looking back, I kind of went crazy. I think <laughs> like, I went so singularly focused. I remember I was in, um, where was I was in Cleveland. I was in Cleveland um, at a conference that my my company at the time had sent me to, and we were you know doing the the conference floor thing. And you know how exhausting conferences are. Like mm -hmm. you're at the booth for like eight nine hours, and then you got to go to some dinner, and then you got to go to um, you know a party or whatever, and it's pretty exhausting. And on the second day, I saw this uh, posting, and we're back at the the hotel and I was like I don't know what it was I was like this is this is the role this is this is my next move and I was very happy at this company I was going to be on on path to director that year we're building the team uh but I was like this is the move this is going to help me meet all the people I want to meet give me a ton of visibility and like fast forward my my career if I put in the work and and do well um so I hit up Max on literally every social channel uh, that he has, uh, including uh, Instagram. I think Instagram, after the second message, he, he got back to me. Um, I started pinging every person that worked at Sales Hacker uh, at the time, uh, literally everyone. Uh, got Gaetano's attention, who was the VP of marketing at that time. Mm -hmm. uh, I asked him to jump on uh, a call. He, he obliged, which was super nice, uh, just to try and get... Uh, more feedback on the role and understand how I could position myself in the, in the interview. Uh, we had the first interview. Uh, I made uh, a video for, for Max um, at, after, sent it out to him. Um, he's told me after he was with his now wife at the time who like saw the video. So she kind of became on my side because she was like, <laughs> yeah. oh, that's so cool. The only one he did that. So thank you, Ashley. Shout out um, to Ashley. <laughs> shout out to Ashley. Um, and then there was a, a, an assignment, uh, which was just like a series of questions. And I basically wrote, you know, essays to, to all of them, uh, really, really going deep, uh, super deep, put a, a really big investment into that, um, that assignment and didn't take it lightly. So I got to the next stage, which was a, another interview um, did, did well on that was told, okay, it's down to you and, and three other people found out later. They were like, you know, pretty top AEs at some really, really, uh, well-known tech companies. Mm -hmm. And here I am just some young kid from Vancouver, uh, at a small tech company. Uh, and I could almost feel that in like the universe. I knew I was like, oh, I'm almost there, but I gotta, I gotta do something else. Um, yep because I could feel I was, I was losing it. And now I'm, you know, good friends with Max and Gaetano. So I know kind of the whole story and uh, Max was leaning towards the, the other person. Uh, Gaetano was, was on my side at this point. Uh, and so what I did is I actually hired a design agency uh, to help me build out uh, a mock sales hacker webinar. So I knew they were known for our <laughs> webinars. I'd been on one, yeah. a mock sales hacker webinar of why you should hire, why, why I'm the perfect hire for the, for the job. And I contacted uh, five of my past bosses and got them all to do quotes uh, in the, the mock webinar. <laughs> um, I've actually shared, shared it on LinkedIn before. Um, but I, I sent that uh, and I think that was, that was probably the, the clincher uh, again, it was still super close uh, with the, with another candidate. So um, even with all that, I almost almost lost it. I gotta say, people, it's uh, you know when you're listening to this, it's kicking off 2021. You might be looking for a new job. You know, maybe last year, you know, kind of bitch in the ass in one way or another. You're looking for a career change. There's people out there that are just sending resumes blind through LinkedIn or through a company website. You like that is. 
if that's a zero and what you did is a 10, like we got to get people to a seven at least. Like yeah. you, you don't have to build out a fake webinar for every single company. If you know that's <laughs> your dream job and you want to break through, you can, but this is the competition people. This, it's people like Scott that, um, you know, when there's hundreds of applicants for a certain company or a certain role, you know, one person or a handful of people stand out for that final evaluation. So I think that's just a great lesson, a great reminder for people that, are going for the new job that you got to show that level of passion, that level of being able to go over the top in a way to show how much you want it and to show what type of, you know, creativity and effort that you'll actually put into the job. Yeah, totally. And you, you said something there that I, I kind of want to underscore for those people who are looking for a new, a new job. And I know that uh, getting a new job is a bit of a, a numbers game, but my advice would truly be, don't look for a job, look for the job, you know, and mm. go all in on that job. And again, talking to Max after the fact years later, I'd be like, hey, what was really the clincher? And that, that was what he said. He said, it was the passion and you wanted this job and no other job, right? Because that, that was true. I, was, I didn't have any other feelers out there. I was like, I'm staying where I'm at if I don't get this job. I want to work for you. I want to work for Sales Hacker. And that's that. And that kind of singular focus and passion uh, is what companies really, really want to see. So it's okay to apply at multiple companies, but I would say maybe space it out and, and go all in on one, you know, burn the bridges behind you, so to speak, just like, or burn the boats behind you, not, not bridges, never burn bridges, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> wrong <got> analogy. <laughs> um, but uh, just go all in and that singular focus will, will take you far. And I've heard you say a number of times that, you know, one of the things that you really hang your hat on for your career, looking back and a big emphasis that you put on is having mentors that bet big on you. Right. So you showed two examples of that you showed five different people that you worked for, right. That mm -hmm. were, took the time to vouch for you and, you know, mm -hmm. give a quote. Right. And then, you know, the second piece is, you know, Max and Gaetano, that bet big on you, right? And that's, mm -hmm. you know, it's not like you wanted that job and then you stayed there for a month and you're like, oh shit, this is really hard. Actually, maybe I don't want to do it, right? They've continued to invest in you. The people at Sales Hacker, at Outreach, et cetera, mm -hmm. have continued to invest in you and, and you know, help you grow and develop. So I think it's, it's yeah. picking who those people are and you're betting big on them and then they bet yeah. big on you and, and kind of catapult, um, you know, your success. Totally. Yeah, I mean, I, I shared kind of five things that I thought accelerated mm -hmm. my, my career on, on LinkedIn. And one of those um, was that, you know, find mentors that are willing to bet big on you. And then the, the key point, which is what I spend an absurd amount of time thinking about and doing is all of these people that have bet on me and I've been extremely lucky that many have, I think almost constantly, how can I help, uh, how can I drive value Max's way? How can I drive value Dave Kennett's way? How can I drive value Kristen Otto's way? How can I drive value Sam Jacobs way? How can I, all these people, um, how do I drive value back to them? Um, and I think those are the strongest kind of mentor relationships when it goes both ways. There are certain things mm. that um, we can teach each other, no matter how junior you are in your, your career, uh, where a lot of us are a new generation, where we have different skill sets, we think differently, we look at problems differently, um, and that is extremely uh, valuable. So um, don't think of it as a one-way uh, street. Next time you, you meet with your mentor, come with something to, to teach them. Yeah, and I think that's a great point. And, you know, I want to throw, you know, put some kudos to you because I saw that post and that was one of my favorite posts of yours, kind of the five things that, that you've learned uh, or, or, you know, I guess reasons why you've become more successful and, and put you on this path. And, you know, one of the things that I've been really inspired by your path uh, and just really watching you from afar the last few years and getting to know you more so the last few months is 
combining, you know, I'm a big believer in compound interest. Let's take a step back, right? Like financially, mm. right? You know, you invest and it, it just keeps growing and multiplying, right? You, you work out 20 minutes a day, that adds up over time, you know? And so you're doing that with your network, right? You're doing that professionally with, you know, the things that you're writing for your, uh, for the newsletter, for the podcast that you do, for who you sell to with Sales Hacker and with Outreach. And then, you know, you know, the webinars, everything that you're doing, it's all to that really focused community. And I've got to tell you, you know, this is, you know, uh, this will, the episode will be coming out, you know, a month after we're, we're talking mm-hmm. about this, but I'm actually, I've actually made a career change kind of following that model. Right. And I've had that Incredible. in my head, like, Oh, that would be smart. And mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm going over to, uh, to gone and, you know, trying to, Congrats, focus, you know, I've been man. doing this. Thank you. Congrats. Thank you. That's I just, awesome. That's I it. just, Gong is I a just, very, uh, very great, uh, incredible company. Doing cool. Yeah. Well, I just, I just, um, you know, put my two weeks yesterday, so I feel comfortable enough to share it and this will come out a little after. So, uh, yeah. but you know, to, to the thought of, you know, Hey, I've been putting, you know, years into this podcast and sales and I'm selling to these other people. It's like, let's, let's diverge those paths. So I'd love to hear you comment on that. Um, not about me, but just about the, hmm. the value of that compound interest where, you are able to add value to all these different people in so many different ways. Yeah, absolutely. First off, congratulations again. That's, that's a huge step. And I think a really smart, smart step. Um, uh, so I'll, I'll share the, the five things. I'll, I'll go uh, a little bit deeper on them. So, yep. and they all complement each other. So number one, um, go deep and wide. And what I mean by that is deep into one industry and wide in terms of skill set. Again, this is about building compound interest. If you can do this from the jump, like from your first job and you magically find the industry that you like the most and stay there, within five years, you're going to have an absolutely incredible network. So for me, I've kind of uh, latched on to sales and MarTech and I will probably spend the majority, if not my whole career in that little area of tech. Pick your area of tech. It doesn't have to be that. If, you know, AI interests you, you know, whatever it is, fintech, whatever. Pick it, stay in that industry. Um, And then if you feel like, hey, I'm getting bored, learn a new skill. Don't jump into a different industry. Learn a new skill. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, with that uh, goes the second one, which is make sure within that industry you are also selling or marketing to the same persona. So you're not jumping from uh, selling into HR to selling into uh, salespeople or selling to CFOs and then they're selling to BD managers or something. So seller market to the same persona. Again, not only your network and your industry goes up, but your buyers, your prospects, um, they can be return customers uh, everywhere you go. Next, next piece is build a hyper-specific following through content. You know, you're great at this. Um, media gives you leverage um, and it gives you control of your career. Um, I'm lucky enough to consult and advise for, for some really, really cool companies. Um, and it's not, you know, I've got some interesting ideas and strategies and tactics, but, you know, I'm... I know that the reason a lot of those exists is for access to my network, which I've built through media. Mm-hmm. So that's how it gives you, gives you leverage. Um, we talked about finding mentors that are willing to bet big on you, find ways to, to add value back. You can do that through the network again. It's all uh, kind of a flywheel. Um, and then the last piece, it all falls down if you don't do this. Um, jump before you feel ready. And then you got to jump again and you just never stop jumping, <laughs> you know, and, and keep pushing um, because everyone is building the plane as it flies. Every single person, there's not one person I know, even the most deep technical experts on a subject um, who aren't just figuring it out as they go. Um, so that is kind of my, my advice and a few things that have really helped to me. Of course, I can only see them uh, when I have the luxury of looking backwards. Uh, it wasn't all planned out. I didn't have this grand plan, but um, I hope that's valuable for, for some. People should be rewinding, you know, about 90 seconds back or two minutes back when you started that rant, 
because that's just that's just hard-earned career advice for anyone that is interested and in, I imagine that if you're you tuned in to listen to Scott Barker something that you're interested in is around you know the sales or martech community maybe it's about building a brand maybe it's about building a great network some of these things that you're great at doing and you know that's the game plan for it that's the blueprint so fine you know I know uh, I'm starting to see now that that kind of model is in my head I see some of my friends that are like you know in you know, more interested in venture capital or something else. And I see them kind of take their job and they have this side thing that complements them like, oh, they're, they're playing that same game. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's just, that's a great strategy. And I'd, I'd love to learn more about, you know, how you filter the things that you're learning, right? Because every day between everything you do with Sales Hacker and outreach and social media networking, you're getting constant an influx of ideas, ways that people are doing things, tactics about the future of, of sales and marketing. So how do you filter out the good ideas from all the rest? That's a great question, man. Um, and one I, I think about almost like un unconsciously a lot. Like I don't, yep. I don't sit down and I, so I don't have a mental model or a framework for doing this. I think part of it is a, is a learned skill, right? That that you pick up in in, in selling, right? Like I, I I sold for for so so long that it's kind of like being able to hear what the real objection is or like what they're really asking. And so I think it comes down to really active uh, listening. And when you're hyper focused and you're active listening, that's like you're you're taking what people are saying and you're trying to apply it to your role like almost immediately and then you can kind of see it break down uh if it's not valuable right you're like oh well now that i could see this would happen and this would happen and this would happen um, and then when it kind of does stand that test that's when i'll double down on it and for me what i'll do i guess i do have a bit of a model what i do is when i find something that i'm like that's new that's unique i think that's going to change the game um, I will I will write about it. And if it stands up to that test and it still makes sense to me after I write about it and apply it to kind of my scenario, um, which not all do, so a lot of them I'll scrap and be like, oh, I don't think that's that's something that personally I want to to follow. Um, so yeah, I guess I guess writing is is for me. I've got my newsletter, the forecast, and that's what I I try and write about is the future best practices in our industry. And a lot of those come from, you know, the information that I'm able to gain from private conversations, from webinars, from podcasts, from LinkedIn, from all these sorts of people. Um, and, and then I start writing about it. And if it still, still makes sense after um, a, a writer like myself gets done with it, then, uh, then maybe there's something there. Yeah, you brought up the forecast and, um, you know, you, you kind of beat me to the punch. I love the newsletter. Uh, I Thanks, love that man. it comes out on Friday. And there's, you know, there's a handful of newsletters that I read um, just in general. Yours is probably the one that I go to most for sales. You know, I like Tim Ferriss's. I like Farnham Street. Um, mm -hmm. I like yours. Uh, maybe there's there's a, a few others that that I'll check out. But yeah, I really like how succinct it is. I like how action oriented it is. There's different types of content, and I love your obsession with Naval. <laughs> so I so obsessed, you know. <laughs> dude. I'm I'm borderline like embarrassed now to put more Naval in my <laughs> newsletter. I gotta like I don't know, give him, send him a bottle of wine or something. But yeah, he's had a big impact. Uh, my life. I learned about Naval only like two years ago, and I'm just kind of kind of obsessed. I, I like the way he views the world. I, I have a buddy that's that's also in sales and also loves Naval, and he ran into him once at like a yoga class in San Francisco, and really? like started talking to him. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> started talking to him, and I think he got his email, and he responded once or twice, and uh, and was trying to build that up, and and it kind of faded out. But he's kind of like just popped up as this, um, I mean, he's been around for a while, but, you know, probably yeah. with the popularity of the Joe Rogan podcast and everything, he's, he's become yeah. super popular. But do you have any sayings from him, teachings from him that stand out to you as being particularly impactful for you? Oh, man. 
there is, and if that situation happened to me, I saw him in the yoga class, that, that would probably be like the one quote unquote celebrity that I would like actually be almost like speechless. Um, what are my favorite Naval quotes? I mean, a lot of this, I, some of the ideas I just shared are, are rooted in, in some of Naval's uh, thinking of like, how, how you can use either code or media um, to give you leverage. Like that's how you get leverage in, uh, in this world that, that we live in. And I think that seed was planted from, from Naval. Uh, I also like, uh, and I'm gonna bastardize some of his, his quotes, they won't be exact, but you'll get the premise, um, is he's got one about, you know, a lot of people who are, are quote unquote, uh, intellectuals or smart or whatever um, can sometimes uh, be almost like cynics, right? They're like, once you're well-read enough, you're like, ah, well, the world's not that great of a place. And, yeah. you know, being, being positive is almost seen as like, well, you must be uh, naive. Um, and I love that Naval's kind of take on that is, is if you're so smart, why can't you figure out how to be happy? you know, and, and he puts happiness mm. before, before everything. Um, and that's really the, the end goal and, and everything else, wealth creation um, is, is secondary to, to being happy. So if we spent as much time trying to figure out what makes us happy as we do trying to make money, like that's what we all do. We trade time for money. Um, we would be much better off. So those are a few of the things and I could probably go go on and on. Um, but I just, uh, yeah, if you haven't checked them out, Naval Ravikant uh, on Twitter, at Naval. Um, yeah, check it out. Yeah, I think that's- what's your, what's your favorite? Are you a Naval fan? I am. Yeah, probably not to your extent, but my, my favorite and one that, I just can't get out of my head from a year ago when I heard it is play long-term games with long-term people. Yeah. Man. And I thought that, that was one. the, I thought that was the coolest one because when you're I've got young, an Instagram photo with that, with that, I stole that caption, but I'm oh, it nice. <laughs> I love it. I mean, because when you're, when you're young and we're probably close to, or, or the same age, um, like you, it's easy to think that, you know, you're in a short-term kind of sprint, um, yeah. but when I talk to people that are older, you know, obviously you, you can do the math. I mean, you, your career can be, you know, four or five, six decades, you know, depending on how long you work and live and all that stuff. So don't just play for your quota this quarter or this month or this job that's going to get you a 5k raise that you mm -hmm. overlook everything else about it. Right. It's like, find the people that you really believe in that you think are great, that you think are smart. Um, that you think have integrity and play the long-term games with them. It's like exactly what you're talking about with the add value to how do I add value to Max and Sam Jacobs mm -hmm. and all these other people and, um, you know, playing a long-term game with all those folks, you know, versus a short-term game where you're just trying to win or you're trying to mm -hmm. get extract and suck as much value from people as you can. Right. So it's kind of just that mentality of, I think, being a giver and trying to be patient, even though that's something that I'm not naturally very good at. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that. I'm glad you brought that one up. I love, I love that quote too. There's another one I'll share is uh, escape competition through authenticity. And mm. I love that. I love this one. And basically the, the premise is, you know, find out what you know how to do better than anybody else um, because you love to do it. It's naturally you, like you love to do it. Um, and, and your work starts to, to feel like play and in that environment, no one can compete with you because you're not, you're not working. No one can outwork you because you're not working. You're, it feels like play. You're just playing all day. Mm. Um, and so you don't have any competition. Um, and I think that's what we're seeing with people's like, you know, brands and all this stuff. You know, you can't replace a, a Morgan Ingram. You know, you can't, you can't teach that. So anything that you can't teach can't be replaced. Um, which I think is super interesting. And you think about 
you know, kind of the future of where sales is going a lot, mm -hmm. I take it. And so I think that segues well, like, is that, you know, I'm thinking it's easy to probably think about, you know, a robot's going to take over or what's, what sales going to be like in 10 years or whatever, you know, questions people might have or fears they might have. But I would, I would beg to, you know, make the case that those things that only you can do is really what you should focus on, right? Those skills that you can build, the value that you can bring. Like you said, mm -hmm. like if you, you know, tune in and shout out to Morgan, like if you tune into something that he's doing, like the creativity, the, the passion, the authenticity, you know, people can't replicate that. That's just him, right? And you, I think you have the same way about you. So is there anything else maybe outside of that, that you have your antennas up about the future of, of sales? Yeah. Definitely. And now you've got me on this Naval track, dude. That was a dangerous door to open. So. <laughs> I couldn't bring from it up on, at the beginning or else we wouldn't on, get any. I, yeah. Here, from here on, I only speak through Naval quotes. Um, <laughs> so he's got another one that talks about uh, creativity is the last frontier. So if you mm. fast forward, you know, long enough, uh, yeah, every, everything will be automated. We'll have software to do, you know, just about everything. Um, and creativity will be the last frontier. And we'll, we'll all just be sitting here with hyper creative jobs, which is the way it should be. That's what humans like to do. Um, and so I would start investing in that now, whether it's through just consumption of other people's creativity, because, you know, the output matches the input. So you have to be uh, ingesting a lot of content from multiple sources. Don't just stay in like, you know, sales world, like read about history, read about all these different mental models. Um, and then that's gonna help spur your creativity. If there's anyone listening saying, oh, I'm just not creative. You gotta get that thought out of your mm. head. We're all unbelievably creative individuals. Uh, just find what makes you feel alive. You know, It could be creativity in your video game strategy. It could be your, your taste in music. It could be making videos. It could be making podcasts. It could be writing lines of code. It could be anything. There's so many beautiful creative things that we can, we can do. You just have to find the one that, that makes you feel alive. And that probably stands out. Like if I think about the future of sales and, you know, outreach is done, you know, and just the sales engagement space we'll say has done such an amazing job in terms of helping to scale the process of sales. But mm -hmm. I think that's a, a, that's a great example of, well, if you just kind of like, if you're someone that's just like at a factory pressing a button and you just press send, send, send on the sequence all day long, you know, it doesn't matter what platform you have. You're just not, it's not, you're not maxing out your potential that way. Like you could get creative within the emails you're sending people or the videos you send people or how, what you say on a cold call or a discovery call or, you know, how you're building out your proposals, all the different aspects of like being an actual salesperson, you know, mm -hmm. the creativity can lie surely in, you know, painting something or cooking or anything, you know, kind of in that realm, but it can relate to your job too. And so uh, I think that's where you're getting at, but I think that's a huge yeah. piece of leveraging this great sales technology that we have now is also using it creatively and not just sticking to the box or thinking that because you have a certain tool stack or you're selling this great product or whatever that it's just going to line up and you're going to smash your quota every year. Couldn't agree more. I think if, if I look back at my, my, my career, that was one of the, the main things that made me successful. Like I could so many examples throughout my, my career where I just didn't take things at face value. And I tried uh, different things. Like I'll go back to the, the first door knocking job, the reason I was so successful wasn't because I was the best salesperson. The reason I got to number one was because I started going into uh, office building, basically breaking into office buildings. Cause I was like, Hey, who had, I, I noticed that the most of the people who bought these things uh, were like white collar professionals. They'd like answer the door. They'd be like a, a suit on, maybe like going out the door. Um, so it was like, where do those people live okay they live in office buildings so i go in office buildings and then i got a chance to pitch you know 40 people at once uh, instead of one to one so that's why i did well at that the reason i i did well at the um first fintech job i got in tech wasn't because i was the best bdr there's people that were better than me but i we were given lists to call and we make like 150 calls a day 
but I just took a step back and was like, oh, who needs um, service? It was merchant services. So payment, payment processing. Who needs that? Mm -hmm. Oh, new businesses do. So I Googled new business listing uh, and found my own list that had a way, way better hit rate. You know, one in four yeah. people would be like, oh yeah, we, I'm literally thinking about this right now instead of calling dentists in the middle of their day or, or whatever. Um, same thing at, at Media Valet, right? We brought in a bunch of new technology. We started doing videos like four years ago when no one was doing uh, videos and that helped us book a ton of meetings, made my team, you know, do really well. Um, and just constant examples of, just not taking the anything at face value, right? Like this, whatever you're told was just someone else's uh, opinion on how things should be done. Respect it, learn that process uh, in and out, and then see if you can make it better. I think that's amazing. I think that is uh, a great place for us to to kind of wrap this puppy up. And um, for anyone that wants to learn from you, connect from you, connect with you. Um, you know, first and foremost, before I'll, you know, I'll let you kind of, you know, share wherever you want folks to follow you, you should absolutely be checking out the newsletter. You should absolutely subscribe to the sales engagement podcast that's dropping, you know, quick 30 minute ish episodes that are very tactical and strategic that will help you become a better salesperson. Follow Scott on LinkedIn, um, Twitter, Instagram, everywhere. And, uh, you know, I think particularly LinkedIn you know, for that sales content to, to become a better professional. Uh, I don't think I missed anything, but where else, where else can people find your, or any last words for, uh, you know, the millennial salespeople out there? No, that was great, man. Thank you so, so much for having me. That was certainly a lot of fun. And yeah, check out the forecast, connect with me on, on LinkedIn, Scott Barker. And uh, last words, I mean, keep learning. You're doing it right now. Listening to this, this podcast, don't get complacent, keep learning and life gets uh, really fun. Awesome, man. It was a blast having you on. appreciate it. Thanks brother. See ya. Thank you so much for checking out that podcast. I hope you saw value, uh, whether you're, you know, working out right now or doing the dishes or, um, you know, laying around the couch, whatever you're doing right now, while you're listening to this podcast, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you found some value. If you did, the only thing that you can do to really help me out is to share this podcast with a friend, share it on social media, and please subscribe wherever you're listening, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, wherever it is, and leave a review on Apple if that's where you're listening. That, that's what helps us to spread reach, helps us to get better guests uh, like the one that you heard just now, um, and to give you as much value as possible. So connect with me, uh, LinkedIn, Kamalemo, uh, uh, Instagram, Twitter, Tommy Tahoe. And subscribe, leave a review, and make it a great day. Peace. Thank you so much.